Everyone, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. I go by the name Neil Nix, and I'd like to thank you guys for joining us today. Today is February 24th, 2021. For today's show, our spotlight on black history will be Akil Abdullah, the first African-American male to qualify for the Summer Olympics in the sport of rowing, and the first African-American rower to win the coveted Diamond Skulls race. Also in Hot Topics, Lizzie Enders asks if Flags should be in half-staff for Rush Limbaugh. Rob B. Rock revisits the attacks on Asian Americans. And Gianni Storm wants to talk about the turtles in Texas. And of course, make sure you stick around to the end for our game show, where in honor of our guests, we'll test our knowledge of Olympic trivia. So make sure you share this live feed with your friends. Now, before we get into it, let me introduce you to my wonderful co-hosts, our professor, writer, editor, journalist out of Washington, D.C., Ms. Lizzie Ender. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy, happy hump day. No, I haven't been humping today. I have been teaching Black history, Claude McKay, um, a little bit of Harriet Tubman, but not too much. So I'm a little tired. So no humping for me today. We're just all focusing on our Olympic icon. All right. And our very own rock star with the amazing rock band Fallen Machine coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Rob B. Rock. So what's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to the show. It's uh, just some really good energy since uh, our show on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to just keeping keep up with that. <laughs> All right. All right. And streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, our model, actor, college student, and the show's infusion of youth and vigor, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey guys, I am so tired today. <laughs> I just have to let you, I just have to let that be known because it's been a really busy, busy month for me, but especially this week and, and today. So I am looking forward to sleeping in eventually. Hopefully. <laughs> pray for <me. laughs> we will pray for you. All right. So I do have a quick fire question for you guys. All right. Gwyneth Paltrow shared a selfie wearing a mask back in February 2020. In the New York Times interview recently, she insinuated that she was the trendsetter for mask wearing. So, hosts, are you wearing your mask just to be like Gwen, Gianni Storm? Um, why do people think that they're the originator of everything? <laughs> um, we have a real pioneer on the show today. So That's right. Lizzie <laughs> Enders? Tell him. Tell him. Lizzie Enders? Pioneer, um, Gwen, what, what, what were you talking about earlier today, um, Robbie? You were talking about vagina candles. So, you know, she <laughs> vagina candles um, a couple of years ago. Now she's laying claim to mask, despite the fact that, you know, the entire continent of Asia has been wearing masks for decades. Um, before she decided to bring her Goldilocks along. So no, no, I'm not Goldilocks. giving her credit for anything. I never even saw that picture that she was referring to. I guess it was a picture of her um, back in February. Before most people went on lockdown, um, she posted a picture where she had on a mask. And so from that, she's saying, see, I started the mask trend for everyone as it relates to COVID. 
Let's, so, let's yeah, tell everybody about it. Robbie Rock, what do you think? Well, I mean, like Lizzie alluded to, I mean, Gwyneth did absolutely pioneer goop-branded vagina-scented candles. Um, <laughs> why you would want your home to smell like Gwyneth's vagina, I have no idea. But Not her vagina. I'm wearing, no. I'm wearing my mask for a You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Or, or so you're not wearing it for Gwen, then? We're not oh, wearing it because of <laughs> inspired of Gwen. The vagina scented mask. So now the actual <laughs> quote is, this is a familiar pattern in my life, Paltrow says. I do something early and everyone is like, what is she doing? She's insane. And then it's adopted by the culture. But anyone think this is just a misunderstood <laughs> statement out of it's context or something? Or is she just a straight narcissist? Oh, she's doubling down on her oh. narcissism. <laughs> yeah, I would go more so under narcissism. That's a, a heavy one, but she's more self-centered than anything. There is nothing about my lifestyle or culture that I picked up from Gwyneth Paltrow. I can, I can guarantee <laughs> that. Um, the best memory I have of Gwyneth Paltrow was when she was in the box. When she was in the box. Show me what's in the box in seven. That's the best seven. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Memory. Gwyneth Paltrow that I have. Oh, All right. That's cold. <laughs> so if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. Our hosts and guests share their truth and opinions with you, call out those lies, and point out any ridiculous shenanigans going on. And on this show, we always try to have fun with some shenanigans of our own. Our show streams live just about everywhere, but you can quickly find us on YouTube. Just go to TLSshow.com or search any of our social media platforms. TLS show at TLS live show. Also, be sure you subscribe to our audio replay of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, so we've got a little bit of shenanigans out of the way. It's time to get some truth behind the history, our guest spotlight on Black history. Today's spotlight is on Olympic rower Akil Abdullah. What's good? What's up, everyone? Welcome, was, welcome, Akil. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let me give you a little background on Akil. Akil is a Woodrow Wilson Senior High School Tiger. He was recruited for rowing at the George Washington University, where he graduated in 1996 with a degree in physics. He was on the U.S. national team from 1999 to 2004 where he competed at the 2001, 2002, and 2002 World Champion, Championship and became the first African-American male rower at the 2004 Athens Olympic Games. He earned a silver medal in the single at the 1990 Pan Am Games and also won the Diamond Challenge Skulls in 2000. Currently, Akil is the senior infrastructure engineer but remains heavily involved in rowing, serving on numerous Boards and advisory boards. He also has co-authored a book, Perfect Balance. Akil and his wife Megan live in Massachusetts with their two children. Akil, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for joining the show. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Akil. <laughs> appreciate your time. So, Akil, we gave you a long bio. So, is there anything you'd like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself that we didn't share? Um, no, you know I. Also, we lose them already. And addressed to George. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Two words. So yeah, I played saxophone. Saxophone with James Brown. Oh, saxophone with James Brown. Wait, wow, you lived. You played saxophone with James Brown. Yeah. So I was training in Augusta, Georgia, and um, I had my saxophone with me, and I went to sit in with a house band at this at this bar. And uh, winner came in and said, hey, we got a special guest. He's going to get up and play with us. Uh, um, and so he gets, he gets up, he comes over, and he said, I feel good here, D. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he said, the trumpet player next to him said, he said, I feel good in the key of D. <laughs> in the key of D. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then we were playing it. And he said, he said, here, give it to me one time. And I was like, what? Trump plays wow. it. Kill. It's your solo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's actually what wow. I'm saying. That was, that was a highlight of the career, probably. Oh, wow. wow that's incredible. Nice. That reminds me of that oh, Eddie Murphy yeah. bit in Delirious. What, what did James say? I, I don't care. Just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just <play>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kill. So you are the first. African-American Olympic roar in the Olympic. Tell us about your journey to that. Wow. That was, uh, that, that's, you know, <laughs> it, it's crazy. That Wilson. And, um, and my senior year, I decided I, I didn't want to run track, but, you know, I wanted to just, you know, chill and, but still be active and play sports. And so I decided to row. Um, I had a, bunch of friends that rode and they wrote they had been trying to get me to come out for this sport and so i got i got I think, like man you guys aren't athletes and so i got on the rowing machine and i did and the next thing you know i'm like falling off the rowing machine i'm like got a bucket like hurling and i just realized how tough it was wow. and i got really uh lucky in that the coach for george washington university saw me and uh offered me a scholarship to row and so I hadn't decided, I hadn't really like decided where I was going to go to college. Um, but I wound up, uh, like, you know, senior beach week is on us. And, um, I hadn't decided where I was going to go to school. And I'm like walking down the stairs and my mom's like, no, you're not leaving the house until you tell me where you're going to go to school next year. Oh, nice. And, um, and I knew that the guys had beers in the trunk of the car. So I just didn't want her to go outside when I was loading my bags. So I said, I'm going to GW. And uh, and that's, I don't recommend that's how people make their, their decisions. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's pretty much how I made mine. I mean, I knew in my heart what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I went on to GW. And there uh, I, like, you know, I started to excel. And um, I started rowing in the summers and, you know, um, I was at uh, I was at Potomac Boat Club in D.C. at what they call a development camp. That's where athletes have been identified as possibly being on track to make the national team. And the coach of Georgetown was Tony Johnson was like, um, it's like a kill. We've got some really good guys coming from Harvard and Dartmouth. Um, You know, I want you to try out sculling. And uh, and I was thankful for that decision because that's sort of where I found my niche. You know, I can row in a single. So in rowing, there's sculling and sweep. In sculling, each rower has two oars, and in sweep, each oar has each rower has one oar. 
Okay. And so that's sort of like uh, the big boats that you see in college are the eights. Those are sweet. And so um, that's what I did through my college career. And so, um, yeah, that's that's 2003. Uh, Yeah, 2003 uh, World Cup in Milan. So wow, um, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, back when I didn't have so much gray in my hair. so yeah, so I just I just kept I, I kept at it, um, and uh, in uh, nineteen ninety six, uh, like pretty much that summer, I after I had finished college, um, I went to the I went to the U.S. national championships and I won in the single skull, and I became the first African American wow. to win U.S. nationals. Um, wow. And so that was pretty much you know sort of part of it. Um, I think the one thing I will say is like at no point in my career was I like was my goal to be the first. Like my goal was to win races and to be as best to do what you love, right? Performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. uh, So in 2000, um, I'm poised to be the, you know, the 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 first African-American male to go to the Olympics. And, uh, and I was there, I was racing like so much hype. All the papers were like, yeah. And, um, and so in my second race, it's a three boat, you have to win two out of three. And so I won the first race of the Olympic trials and I'm like, yeah, I'm fired up. And then in the second race, I had an asthma attack. Oh. And yeah, and then in a third yeah. race, I lost my thirty-three hundredths of a second in two thousand. Wow. It was just like I was devastated. Thirty-three hundred yeah. agony of defeat, agony of yeah. That's the thing with the Olympics. You you lose by fractions of seconds in the Olympics. I mean, you win by fractions of seconds too, but it's yeah, Olympics is uh yeah you best of the you best. Dealt with asthma your whole life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was a child, I had it really bad. You know, like I was, I was hospitalized um, at least once. That's what happened to my brother, also. Um, Wow. But yeah, and so I I grew. I mean, I grew out of it, but it's still sort of like conditions can be right to sort of cause it to act up. Yeah. Um, I think also uh, that might have something to do with DC because I had it as a child as well, and I have severe allergies here because of all the pollen and the humidity and stuff, so forth. But I think it might be an environmental thing yeah. um, mm. for us these folks, because I've heard that story on several occasions. Mm. Or people living in cities, I can see in that. Cities too. in general, probably. Yeah. 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 That's why I live out in the country now. Got that nice, clean <laughs> country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Lizzie did the tree. Air. You know you miss this DC air. <laughs> I do. I do. I miss it so much. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, seriously, Adams Morgan, you know, like all the food. I mean, right now. Have you been back happening. recently? Yeah. I was going to say, Akil, when was the last Actually, time true. you were in DC? That, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's <laughs> <laughs> wow. changed quite a bit. It's changed quite a bit. I just moved back um, in March of 2019. So I. I left DC right after high school, um, long journey, mm. Finland, Colorado, New York, then finally made my way back here. But the DC that I live in now is not our mama's DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it so isn't. I live at the waterfront, which when we were in high school, ooh, sketchy. What are you talking about? I grew up around there. What are you talking about? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Jefferson Junior High right over by you. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, he went, to, he went to junior high school around the corner from me now, but it's the area is unrecognizable. It's it is. Yeah. Very different. And, and it's sort of better. But, oh, no question. Yeah, you wouldn't recognize certain parts of D.C. Depends on your thought. It depends on your feelings on gentrification as to whether or not it's for the better. Yeah. I went to get a haircut. And... I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about um, revitalizing certain neighborhoods. If you will, because which, were, which has seemingly required gentrification. Okay, we're going. I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. Things over here just dwindling, and you know, doing nothing, collecting dust, or creating crime spots. You know, um, so at least yeah. they've developed a lot of the space over here. Like the building that I live in now is three years old. Three years mm. old. So, um, so oh, when you gosh. come back, you need to go to Southwest, go to the waterfront. And just stand and be like, "Where the hell am I?" That's what you do when you come back. Hi, right, Robbie Rock. You have a question for Akil? Well, yeah. I mean, 0.33 seconds, thirty-three one hundredths of a second. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you deal with that as an athlete? Because we're we're not talking seconds. We're yeah. talking a third. Yeah. How, what kind of impact did that have on you? And how did that? Did it strengthen your resolve right at the onset, or was it more of a crushing thing at the onset that you built from? Thanks for taking me to a dark place, Rob. Uh, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, uh, I think that I, I was lucky I had a coach because um, I was devastated, you know, like more than anything, I felt like I had let friends and family down. And my coach at the time, uh, Mike Tatey, was standing on the dock with me and he said my my parents were standing down at the end of the dock and he said he said hold your head up man he said look down there your parents still love you <laughs> and you know that was like one exactly. of those soul crushing moments where i had to get out of my own way you know um and so that was that was hard but it was like you know it, it was it was true and then um i got really lucky uh i was invited to go to race in henley that year and um and you know i won and that is one of the you know that was very prestigious regatta and to be the first again to to do that to be uh on history with you know jack kelly kelly for brickworks you know like out of philadelphia fame you know like that for me was something that that let me know that i could do this i could i could compete at this level and so it's it sort of did it at the moment not so much i was i was ready to hang up my oars but then sort of all of the things that followed let me know that my time wasn't over yet i have a question online for you from reuven gorn another one of our classmates you remember How reuven? <laughs> i know reuven uh, reuven groove i know reuven. <laughs> he wanted to know he wanted how was it switching from sweet to scroll 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 sorry from, from sweet yep. to skull it's you know tongue twister sweep sweep skull. Sweep skull is not that difficult. It's way hey, hey you don't have the same tongue that I have. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead <again>. yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Now it was it was a I think it was a natural transition for me. Uh, it actually improved my sweep. Like I started to perform better. Uh, it's just more symmetrical. Um, and so, uh, it's definitely in the single, it's more technical, 
You don't have a lot of people setting the boat up. There's only two people. Yeah, that's me and Henry at the Olympics. That's a good picture. That's a good right picture. there. That is a good picture. Um, yeah. It's 2004, right? 2004, you still yeah. Got those guns? You still got nope. those guns? Nope. <laughs> now I got, you know, I got a little, I got a little, a little something left. A little something. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. We got, we got some more recent pictures. What are you talking about? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a little softer now. Different. A little softer now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said softer. <laughs> not as, not as cut now, but that's, you know, I got, I got dad strength now. Tiani, <laughs> what's your question for Akil? Um, so Akil, I know that you played football all, as well. How did your parents feel when you kind of gave up the pursuit of playing football in in trying rowing? Yeah. So uh, my mother was elated because she did <laughs> that... not like seeing her baby get hit on the field. Mm -hmm. You know, why was she tight end? So, uh, my my dad, who had played football, was a little less happy about it um, because one, it was foreign, like you know, really foreign to him, um, and sort of you know, we we all have those ideas in our head about sort of what we want our children to become. Um, but saying that, both of my parents were all supportive. You know, my mom, my stepdad. My dad, they all were there for me uh, as I continued the journey. Busy, busy question. So a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, what about, since it's Black History Month and we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, you were the first mm -hmm. Olympic wise, first, you went up to be the first. Yeah. What about any adversity along the way? Yeah. What of what are you doing here or mm -hmm. racism or looks how what was that story like for you what was that experience yep hidden racism it was uh <laughs> it was it was there uh i think that you know i think that you know the wilson alum will agree that we not to you know gianni to cut you and and rob out but <laughs> we we went to a pretty diverse school um, very diverse and yeah. it it was, it was, it really helped me to, to figure out who I was. Um, I had in college, I had like one incident, not an incident, but like sort of for me, that was like formative. Um, I was hanging out with all of my rowing friends and we went to Union Station for a, for a movie. And I saw a bunch of my black friends from Wilson. And I was like, I'm hanging out with all these white people. You know, like what's going on? And and I had to think about I, I had to think about who I was and what it was that I wanted to accomplish and what I actually thought of my friends, you know. Um, and so that sort of helped to form like a version of me that said, like, rowing is important to me and people in my life who recognize that are the people that I want in my life. Um, but then sort of taking that, you know, forward. Um, I was training in Princeton, New Jersey, and, you know, we were hanging out with the students there and so on. And I always had a question of, am I accepted because I'm here rowing? You know, if I were just, uh, if I were just some black guy that had walked in, would I still be accepted? You know, that was always a question that, that I had, um, in my head. 
Um, and it is, you know, after the sort of the George Floyd uh, murder, uh, I had friends that I had comp competed with and rode with, like, come and talk to me and said, you know what? I never talked to you about race. And that's shame on me. I never asked you how you felt about these things because we didn't, you know, we were definitely, we were focused on sports. We were focused on winning, on optimizing our performance. But, you know, me being the only, you know, me being the other, um, even though we all were focused on the same goal and I knew that they had my back, it was still there, you know, the, the fact that, that I was black. Um, I, it, the the one time that it was sort of overt, I was in Japan, and there was some mm -hmm. drunk guy on the train who started, you know, you know, yelling at me in Japanese, and our interpreter was like, "No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what he's saying," mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, but you know, it is it 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 messed with my mind a little bit in the sense that you know, um, I always knew that, like. The, there is some acceptance because I'm here as an athlete, as a rower. Um, and, you know, you get a little unsure sometimes of what people really think of you. Mm -hmm. And you hear it in, and it, maybe it's a joke that people tell. And they're like, oh, yeah, but Akil, he's, he's all right, you know? It's subtle mm -hmm. because these are people that they don't think that this bothers you. Um, but it gets yeah, into some some deep places as a black athlete you had to be in those white environment um mm -hmm. you know which well, and crew, and crew and rowing it's a it's a white sport it's right, at right. least in the united states it's it's a white it's a very affluent white sport mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's an ivy league sport um most of the crew teams are on the east coast in this at least for college level um, in this country, except for, you know, USC, where they try to cheat and get those rich kids on the crew team and say they were crew, but they really weren't crew, but that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very elite sport. Um, but even yeah. though it's elite, Akil, what about um, getting paid? Like when you think mm -hmm. of rowing, especially professional yeah. rowing or Olympic level rowing, world championship, like, is there a lot of money in that? Can you make a living off of that? I'm not no. talking to you from my yacht. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking to you from a- What are you talking about? That level, That's what I thought you were calling in for. <laughs> um, no, you bring up a, a very good point. Uh, there's a couple of things I do want to say. One is that, there are a number of, of, of people of color rowing um, yeah. at now, now, not when I was not not when I was rowing, but um, but and you know recently I there was an organization called started called Black Coaches and the Black Coaches and Rowers Association uh, that I that I that I uh, you know work with and um, and it's just amazing to see the kids transcend now. There was these. There was uh, there was a rower from UVA. Her and her twin sister are athletes there. She's a rower. Her sisters from across. They started on Instagram. Um, athletes for Black Lives Matter. You know, so I really see this 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 organization that you really didn't see. The ability to connect now is so larger. So even though when I was rowing, there may have been more black and rowers or people of color rowing 
but we couldn't make those connections because the sort of the social the social media wasn't there the ability to connect wasn't there um so i i've seen it i've seen it grow but getting back to getting paid i think that that's one of the things like why should i row you know like if you're a kid and you're from you know, uh, under-resourced area. Why is, rowing isn't gonna going to help you? How do you see the value? How do you place the value on it? And so the the answer to your question, in short, is no. There's not a lot of money in rowing. And so, um, you know, the, for me, it was never. It was it was it was about the dream that happened. I talked to. Sorry, I, I'm babbling here. I talked to my daughter's uh, kindergarten class uh, yesterday, and. Uh, and I talked about how I saw the Olympics in 1984, LA Games. Um, I didn't tell them the full story of like me, like standing, you know, with you know, like this right here, and like in the bathroom, <laughs> going dun, dun, and my mother walking in and saying, "What is wrong with you, boy?" <laughs> but, uh, but like that's where the dream started for me. So it was about wow. fulfilling that dream, coming full circle. Um, like that was part wow. of it for me. Um, but no, there's not a lot of money in rowing. Um, but there is a lot of access in rowing. Mm. Um, and that is one thing that I have really benefited from. Like the people that I know now, you know, um, the, That's the people. Song. On, okay. I'm sorry, yeah. go finish up. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, and this is actually why I think that there's a movie called A Most Beautiful Thing right now about, uh, it's a documentary about uh, uh, the first uh, Black high school rowing team in the country in the late 90s wow. um and, Where were they? and R. Shea cooper yeah is he went on to be a chef and all of this stuff um but the story there can connect if you're a ceo that went to harvard and you see a movie about rowing and these black kids you can connect with that story through rowing you know so it's about you know those that that access now yeah. yeah. So a couple of comments online. I've got Liana Jones says such awesomeness. Monica Alicia says, I remember watching. It was so exciting to watch. Um, Reuven Gordon had one last question. Did you have any black teammates at a time at any time after high school? No. Oh, oh. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at clubs. So yes. So when I was at Potomac Boat Club training for the training for the Olympics, yes. But once I sort of made it to sort of the national team, uh, and no. So pretty much like six years, I had no other teammates that were that were that were black. Wow. And I only have one question for you, because I, I read online. You know, there's a challenge of being black, obviously, but. Uh, you you were in the Olympics around September 11th time frame, right? And there was um, a story that I had read about you where you were literally on a no-fly list because you had a Muslim name. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Wow. Yeah, you want to talk about crazy. I'm getting on a flight to actually go out to uh, a competition in Seattle. And uh, I show up at the airport, and um, and uh, the 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 person at the desk says, uh, "We have to wait for you to be cleared to fly." And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, the FBI office hasn't opened yet, and you have to wait." I was like, "But my plane is in an hour, you know. Like, 
I need to get on the plane. And uh, the, the, the feeling of going to represent your country and being stopped and told you can't fly and missing a flight. I mean, that was, that, that was crazy. Um, and what bothered me was the, what I call security theater, right? Because if I had changed my name to John Smith, mm-hmm. then there would have been no problem, mm-hmm. right? And anyone intent on doing harm is not going to fly as Akil Abdullah. Right. So it's, it's, it's theater. It's, it's, it's weak. It's not real security. Um, and so like that whole no fly list to me is just, it's a bunch of BS. It's not, you know, um, so yeah, so that, 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 that hurt. And, um, the other thing I couldn't figure out was how was it that the same Akil Abdul with the same dress, address, same passport flying out of the same airport for the past five years, you know, suddenly, like, yep. suddenly can't fly. Um, Crazy. But, I mean, that was, and, and, you know, that, that just points to the, you know, you weren't just dealing with racism, but you were actually dealing with, um, you know, a religious, uh, I mean, cause I don't, I don't know what your religion is. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to ask you that, but I'm just, I mean, you, you're dealing with the same persecution of religious persecution as well. So. Religious, yeah. religious persecution, but also xenophobia, because it's assumed when you see the name Akhil Abdullah, that you were not American, mm-hmm. that you were yeah. likely Muslim from the Middle East. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's all yeah. of it. It's all of it. Every one of those things. Every one yeah. of those things. Yeah. And you are an Olympian, a U.S. Olympian <laughs> dealing with this is just absurd. Did you, did you yeah. hit him with, you know who I am? Did you hit him with that? <laughs> well, you know. I that would have been funny. I, I tried, but she said no. <laughs> <laughs> but not, I have no idea who you are, sir. <laughs> so I have a quick story wow. for you. Try to make this make quick it, as Yeah, as make as it quick because we got to move on. So you, um, in high school, you didn't really have any black um, teammates, correct? On the crew team at Wilson? Were there any other one? Ben Eaglin. Oh, uh, actually two. I, I take it back. Two. Nikki Core. Nikki Core. Yep. The Nika Core. Yep. Okay. Sorry. So it was almost three, Akil. It was almost three. <laughs> so I think, and I don't think, I think by the time you guys actually started rowing, I had already knocked out. But you know, for novices, you know how they, um, you have to try out in the fall and then again in the spring. And so yeah. I tried out in the fall of 90 um, ah. and it, you know, I, my dad was taking me. So I was at Thompson Boathouse every day after school, before school, then during the workouts and all that stuff. And at the time, my dad um, had a lot of medical issues. And so he didn't want me, especially for the 6 a.m. practices. Mm-hmm. He was just like, I can take you. I, you you're fine if you're coming after school and you're late. Yeah. But the su- I'm not letting you get on the subway to go to the other side of town at yeah. 6, 5, 36 in the morning. So that was one. I, he would no longer, you know, be my ride there. But also, too, I was just like, I really want to do, like, why are you trying out for crew? Like, where did you get this idea in your head, Elizabeth? And it was because I liked a boy. I'm not going to tell you which boy. But it was because <laughs> I liked a boy. And I was like, okay, you can be on the crew team. So I was almost show teammate. And um, 
I can't remember the coach's name. It was, he was a white guy who was in the Air Force. Joe Shuttleworth. Um, yes, 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 yes. And so he wanted, Maya Eaglin was one of the coxswains. And Maya, uh, yeah. she, she and I kind of had the same frame. Like we were just tiny girls with big boobs. And so he was like, yeah, I, I think I want you to be a coxswain. I'm like, I don't want to sit in the front. I want to row. Like if I'm getting yeah. up and doing all this working out and stuff, I want to row. So that was another reason why I kind of dropped out. So I did all of the fall workouts, but then mm -hmm. come January, February, when you guys really got into it, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Oh, and another thing <laughs> yeah. that changed my decision, you know how they, um, when you're practicing and they flip the boat over for the first time to prepare you for an actual, I, I wasn't ready for And I can, I'm a good swimmer. I'm an excellent swimmer. I was not prepared for that. Because <laughs> he didn't all tell right. us. We gotta... He didn't tell us. So yeah, I was almost your teammate. I was almost your <laughs> teammate. <laughs> All right, Akil. Unfortunately, we are out of time. But, you know, we actually want to ask you to stick around a little bit. Join us for our game show. We're doing Olympic trivia. Nice. I'll right. be here. But before you leave, are there any last words, anything you want to share with us about your experience as the first American, African-American male rower in the Olympics or anything and then also tell people how they can get in contact with you if they want to get more information about you. okay cool yeah so I, I will tell you if you want to get in touch with me you can hit me up at akil underscore hydro uh on instagram um so that's how you can reach out to me i'll say that the experience of going to the of, of walking into the olympic stadium uh that was something i will never forget i mean you just can't imagine being in a dark tunnel and coming out to fireworks and just pandelirium um that for me is just like just something that will always stick with me um you know and i think that what i will say is that if you if you find something that you love um you know do it you know um and and don't let don't let anyone tell you that you can't um so Find a vision and 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 just keep working at it. Well, Kill, once again, thank you so much. Thank you thank for you. for doing what you've done, making history in the way you've thank made you, history. You. I know you had some challenges, so we do appreciate that. So yeah. thanks again for joining us, Akil. We'll see you shortly. We'll see you in a few. All right. We'll see you in a few. All right. A wonderful guest, Hi. wonderful guest. So, all right, Hi, let's get guess. let's get into Breaking our hot topic. Truth. Truth lies shenanigans. All right, I don't know what's going on with that graphic, but our hosts, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about <laughs> hot topics. Our hosts bring you hot topics they want to share. We'll ask, is the truth lies or shenanigans? Our panel will talk about it for a bit until time is up. And then we'll go to our audience for questions and comments. So make sure you're talking to us in all our threads. We are listening to you. But let's start out with Lizzie. But Lizzie, they're trying to give Rush Limbaugh dignitary honors. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? It's truth and shenanigans. I always get the topics or pick the topics that are truth and shenanigans. But unfortunately, this is a sad <laughs> truth. So as um, most of you know, Rush Limbaugh, he passed away last week. Um, finally gave in to his body, you know, gave in to cancer that he'd been suffering from, I think for a few years now. Um, Rush Limbaugh was a resident of Florida and the Florida governor DeSantis has decided, you know, that he was going to call and um, enforce that 
flags in the state of Florida um, be lowered to half staff in honor of Rush Limbaugh. And lowering a flag to half staff when you are um, in a stately building across a, a particular state, across the country, or if you're on a boat, people have sometimes get this confused, but half staff is for when you're on land, half mast is when you're on a boat. Mm. Um, but when you do that, it's supposed to be for politicians, for dignitaries, for military people, for patriots. It's not supposed to be for your friend. And that's all Rush Limbaugh was to the governor of Florida. And he even said, we're really good friends. So my question to you, um, one of the other politicians in the state of Florida, you know, came out, Nikki Whedon came out and said, I'm not doing this. He was a known racist. He was a known rebel rouser. Um, he, you know, in the 90s, he spoke horribly about, you know, AIDS victims. He was homophobic. He was all of these bad things. So why would I ask my staff, no pun intended, to lower the flag at half staff? So my question to you all is, would you, to you all, would you defy the governor or would you do it? Let's start with Gianni. I feel like, oh, you're fine. Go ahead. You can't hear me. We can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, now I said that I, w I would definitely defy the the governor. I feel like too often the um, American flag is sorry for the background noise. Um, <laughs> the American flag is too often. Um, like it looks like a political thing. Like it's it's not meant to be that. So why are we using it in that respect? And I just feel like Rush. I didn't know him. I'm not even gonna lie. For some reason, I do remember his name. Like I don't know why. Just mm -hmm. I, just, I remember that name. That you didn't miss anything. <laughs> it was synonymous with asshole. Yeah. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead. No, I would have. I I would have not listened, especially in this climate that we're in, we're in now. Like. It's okay to defy him and then you have support for that or there's like it makes sense. You know? Robbie, what do you what think? What about you, Rob? Well, it's I mean Johnny, just to give you an idea about Rush, his radio persona played a huge role in reshaping views of the political right because his approach was always to demonize his opponents, reject compromise, uh, and to embrace conspiracy theories and he really conflagrate them. So these are tactics that really inspired the party of former President Donald Trump. It, uh, it just, it plays right into it. So former President Trump espoused these values and he really gave them more credence from his pulpit for four years, really emboldening that right wing element that's, that's destructive. So I fully support Nikki Fried's decision to keep the flag flying high. Absolutely, I don't think that I would have conformed either because as Liz said, this wasn't a, a patriot. This wasn't a political leader. This was a media figure who happened to be a friend of uh, De DeSantis. So no, it's you can fly your own flag at half uh, hats, half staff. Yeah, Thank right. you for teaching me. Mm -hmm. But to make it a, a, a decision across Florida to mandate it as a government decision, no. So do I have a question? So do do we know? Are there penalties for what she's she's chose to do? You know what? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. She's head of, I believe, um, Nikki Freed is the head of state agriculture in um, Florida. Um, I, I don't know if there are penalties or not, but I mean, it wasn't an order. It was it was a 
it was more of a request directive. It wasn't a state order. Ah. So I don't know and that don't there would be any penalties anything... for it. Okay. And I don't think there's anything in the state law that says that you have to, you know, abide by what the governor says about, you know, honoring someone like that. Well, then my answer to that question is really simple. It's hell no. I mean, I would not follow DeSantis's order ever. I mean, this is, he's a racist. He's a misogynist. He's, I mean, he's every is that you, bad is that you can think of. Um, he was, he was a pretty much horrible person. Uh, horrible. So, horrible so, person. I mean, and he, and if we look at, if, if we're comparing him to someone like Trump, you know, Trump we know was a horrible person. Um, very similar individual. Matter of fact, Trump gave him what the Presidential Medal of Freedom, I think it was. I think Medal that's the name of his. Uh, free which and is who? free and who? Free right and for whom? For, I mean, and, and you ask yourself, what did Limbaugh do? I mean, what did he do that, to deserve any of the accolades? I mean, outside of probably raising a whole lot of money for those people, for those candidates, and and you know, rallying people around those particular candidates and helping those candidates get into office, that's all he's done. And of course, as we know, the type of people that he did, he used to get them into office, we're talking supremacists, white supremacists, and, you know, all, all of that. So, and the far right, the far right. So, uh, no, I, I would have definitely uh, gone against that order that, especially with no penalties. So. What are your thoughts, Johnny, Lizzie? Just a couple of examples of um, how awful this person was. So um, he had he had a show, he had a talk show, he had a radio show. He was very visible um, as a talk show personality. So once on his talk show after, excuse me, Barack Obama was elected um, or was after his inauguration in 2009, Rush Limbaugh started airing on his show um, a racist parody called Barack the Magic Negro. Really? Why well, didn't I? I don't remember this. I don't the, remember that. Barack the Magic Negro. Okay. Um, during the Rush Limbaugh show in 2013, he said, if any race of people should not have guilt about slavery, it's Caucasians. The white race has probably had fewer slaves and for a briefer period of time than any other race in the history of the world. He also um, used to frequently, you know, make these references or comments, and this probably is a good segue into um, Rob's hot topic. Ching cha, ching chang, cho chow, ching cha, cho cho cho. That's how I refer to them. So yeah, this is not a good American. This is not someone who is about unity, who is about patriotism, who is about embracing, you know, everyone being, having a part of the American dream, if you will. He was a separatist. He was a racist. He was a misogynist and he was a homophobe. So I don't see why as a state, like if Ron DeSantis wants to do that, honor him with his flag in his, at the governor's mansion or in his own home, that's fine. But statewide, absolutely not. And DeSantis that's is true. just like the rest of them, both, both awful. Trump and and Limbaugh was. I mean, you know, do I, you know, I never want to talk bad about someone who's passed away, but I can't help it. I mean, he, he's, he was a horrible person. So, he was um, a horrible person. What I said was because he has children, you know, he has a widow. Um, you feel bad for the family because they are sure. hurting. Their loved sure. one is no longer. I remember you, you said that last time. Beyond that, mm, all right, that, that's one less racist person 
with a platform that we have mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah. So. Uh, so online we have Jose says deplorable person. Uh, George Fournier says such an honor should be restricted to statespersons. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Vicky Vicky Smith says as long as his friends are taken care yeah, of. Yeah, it yeah, amazes. Yeah. It amazes me how stupidity and hate prevails in this country. Then uh, again, it doesn't. Uh, and then Sherry Blaine Priest says, oh my, Neonix, I heard that. <laughs> Reuben Gordon said the same thing. Did you just swear, Neo? Yeah, I rarely swear. I rarely, I rarely swear. I just, yeah. He, people like Limbaugh, Trump, uh, yeah, they're just, I don't have other words for them. I mean, you know, the whole thing is like when you swear words are like, uh, they're just cop out. Because usually, if you have a good vocabulary, you can come up with other words to use. But there really aren't many other words for these people. So. And I take offense to that statement because I have a vast vocabulary. <laughs> if I'm using a swear word, if I'm using a curse word, it's because I'm choosing to use it. Not because I don't have the other option. <laughs> it's because I particularly want to use that word in reference to you. And what I'm saying is I'm not sure I have other options to describe these people. Other than a lot of these swear words. I never That's what I'm I wasn't saying. talking about your vocabulary. I don't know that there's, I don't even know that there's actual words in the dictionary that can truly describe them that aren't cuss words. No, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Like, because he's someone who is so vile. Yeah. So vile. He really and is. Never he really was. Has been. All right, next hot topic. Thank you, Lizzie, for that topic. Appreciate that. Shenanigans. All right, Robbie, you want to talk a bit more about attacks on Asians because of COVID. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to follow suit with Liz. This is truth and shenanigans. So just last week in London, Ontario, which is located southwestern Ontario, uh, a billboard outside of a popular local restaurant, the Ale House, which is known for having controversial messaging on its billboard, uh, criticized Ontario Premier Doug Ford's measures to stop the spread of COVID-19. So on Thursday morning, the board read, Mr. Ford, history will show lockdowns cause more damage to the public than the China virus. So as you can imagine, this prompted a really speedy response across all social media platforms with calls for the message to be removed immediately. One of the big proponents was the University of Western Ontario, which is a very technical um, institution. They put out um, the messaging hard and within an hour or within a couple of hours, they had received over 2000 signatures by lunchtime. The restaurant had changed the sign to read, we love Chinese people, we hate the genocide and China virus your commie government has inflicted on us. (laughs) (sighs) Finally, on Friday, there was a new sign that read, calling out an oppressive government is not racist, period. We have heart, respect for all people. So... (sighs) I checked out their website and there's a statement from the owner, Alex Petro, saying that there's a statement to clarify concerns from the public regarding an alleged incident of racist behavior on his part towards the Asian community. I can 110% assure you that what has been alleged did not happen. 
So he claims that he's spoken to four different media outlets about this and to view their cameras so that the footage can be reviewed because he's saying that this is falsified. Mm -hmm. The establishment does have a history of putting up these inflammatory types of messages. And I guess this is really just a follow-up from Johnny's story because this has no place in our society. Do you believe that the owner's disclaimer or apology it is sincere, genuine, or is he simply reeling from the backlash for a racist message? Two racist messages, actually, in the same morning. Yeah, I'll start if you want. Yeah, please. All right, so um, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I like to do that from time to time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there is. There are some people who may not recognize that it is, especially if you hear it enough over and over again from maybe someone that you trust or you believe is a good person like Trump and you hear it over and over again and you don't recognize the uh, racism in it. Um, you know, there, there are people who may realize that after they've been told and then feel like they want to apologize for it. It's quite possible that he recognized his mistake. Because there's no question it's racist. Um, but again, if Trump is saying it all the time, the China virus, and, and justifying it, saying because it came from China, it's the China virus, right? Not recognizing the actual inherent racism in it. Um, then, you know, I could see a store owner putting that up and putting it on his sign and not realizing that, um, <laughs> I'm looking at Lizzie's face, not realizing that it's, you know, it's racist. And so he, he made the change and he, he tried to switch it up a little bit the second time around. It's still wrong, obviously. And so I don't know. I'm not saying I totally accept his apology, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I'm willing to accept. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay, Lizzie, you, you got, you got clearly have something to say. <laughs> Wait, are you, I can't hear you, Lizzie. Muted. Oh, no. You're oh, muted, Lizzie, Liz. we can't hear you. We can't hear you, Lizzie. Can't hear you. Bullshit. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I was muted for a second because I was trying to collect my thoughts. Um, <laughs> and apology isn't defensive. When, when you are asked to apologize or show some type of contrition, you are really sorry. You're not, you know, getting taking a defensive stance and coming back, you know, with subtle, still having some subtle digs into referencing your previous statement. It's hard for me to argue against that, to be honest. Even in addition to that, I mean, the virus has an official name. It mm -hmm. has, an, it's been given a scientific official name. So it takes a lot for you to deviate from that name and take it back to calling it the China virus. And when you say the China virus, you're not talking about the government. The government is not the one or the people that are being attacked in the streets, that are facing all of these you know, racist incidents. It's the people. And it's not even just people from China or Chinese Americans. It's anybody that they think looks Asian. So yes, no, I don't, I don't buy that apology. Like people, people are smarter than what we are giving them credit for. If you are going out there deliberately saying the China virus, then you probably have said some other derogatory things about Chinese people, about Asian people in the past. So yeah, no, Johnny. no. 
It's very even interested to hear your that... thoughts because it's a follow-up from your story last time, Joni. Very yeah. interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, I of course, it's inherently racist. I think that it's more ignorant. It shouts out like it's more ignorant. Yeah. Than That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then especially, I feel like with it was getting from bad to worse, of course, with the responses. Um, but how did he even get to anti-Chinese rhetoric from like you said that there were like past political um, messages like wash your hands or wear a mask. I don't know how that's politics, but <laughs> but like those kind of like messages. And then it went to to this. So it was like, did no, somebody like get hired and fired? Or... No, like he's used his billboard to just put politically charged messages out there. And that was part of his apology saying that, you know, he's used this platform to attack their government uh, or our Canadian government, attack other governments just to post opinions. And that's fine and dandy. Um, but I mean, you, you really have to be careful what you put out there, especially if this is yeah. your establishment, your bread and butter. And like I was saying, a university uh, or Western University out of London is, I mean, that's math, physics, engineering. It's a, it's computer science. It's a very technical school with a lot of international students, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, and, and it has a very diverse, very diverse community. So you, you can't be doing stuff like that because your university also, populations are made up of international students. It's uh, and these are people with the disposable income that want to go to restaurants and support these establishments. I honestly think that he wasn't expecting that backlash because he's done it so brazenly over the years and people just kind of, go, oh, you know, that's funny. That's insightful or ah, he's just pissing people off. But at least it gets people talking. But I think that he put out the wrong message and then he doubled down on the wrong message. And that's where the I wrong, really have a problem yeah. with it. Because if you're being called yeah. out, at least have enough self-awareness to go, maybe I am up to lunch on this one. And, and, yeah. and apologize. Give a good, genuine apology. But also, if you were going to be that brazen right. and that bold to put up um, a marquee like that, at least, you know, use correct grammar. It's T H from the professor. N. Okay, use the right form of then and than. The English professor. All right, let's get but to the, the comments seven, online. Go ahead, go ahead, Robbie. A word only comes with so many E's. You have to use the E. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's maybe. True. All right, so we got a few comments online. So people weren't feeling my devil's advocate argument. Uh, Liana Jones says, nope, not no. <laughs> Mike Winter says, uh, you finna get dragged by Liz. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, looks like uh, Reuben is gasping at the profanity on this show. Jose said she had the same look on her face as Lizzie when she when I was talking. So, um. Daria Winter says, ignorance cannot be the excuse for slips of the tongue used to hide the overt racism that is demonstrated through the words selected to convey attitudes. Um, Mike Winter said, when you want to be a racist store owner, you have the right to do that, at least here in the U.S. Then you have to deal with whatever consequences. If it is hate speech, you have no right to hate speech. Sorry. And Sherry Blaine Priest says, I agree with Robbie Rock 100%. Sylvie Devio? Devio. Devio. 
What about the variants, UK and African? What are the proper names? I'm just asking. And I mean, do we oh, really I'm, sure, I'm sure that they have a designation, a number, a number letter designation, but I don't know their COVID-19-123 or something. Yeah. Well, and do we really want to start getting into, you know, calling countries <laughs> out for the disease and, you know, imperialism that they bring to other countries? Like, do, do we really want to go there? Yeah. Because we can. Yeah, that's Because if we, if we really want to call out countries, we should call out the one that spread it. That's spreading it like wildfire, which is the U.S. <laughs> so if we really want to talk about countries, <laughs> the ones that spread the hell out of it is the U.S. Let's, let's start calling it the Trump virus. The Trump virus. That's what yeah, that's what we should be calling it. Uh, Trump virus. I mean, sure, it's, it may have originated in, the, uh, in China, but... We know who spread the hell out of it. So anyway, all right, we got to get on to our next hot topic. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, Gianni, you don't have much time, but you've got a nice story about turtles. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Um, so this is a happy truth for you guys. In a recent National Geographic article, I read that uh, about 5,000 turtles were, um, were something called cold stunned or, or yeah. Yeah, that's Frozen. right. That sounds right. Something stunned. <laughs> so sea turtles were rescued from freezing waters on Texas Island. Um, this happened after Texas's rare cold snap that left many without heat and power. Um, and so it also affected it affected nature as well. It affected these sea turtles. They were a lot of them were washed up on shore. And as you know, sea turtles don't just hang on the beach for fun. There's something wrong. So once dozens and then dozens. Um, or hundreds rather of sea turtles ended up on shore. That's when the members of let me get their name, uh, Sea Turtle Incorporation in Texas, um, volunteers decided to act. So, what happened was well, sea turtles can't regulate their body heat under 50 degrees Fahrenheit, so they're cold blooded animals, as we know, they rely on ambient. Um, so once the temperatures dropped at those rare levels on South Padre Island in Texas, the sea turtle population slowed down, rendering them paralyzed but still conscious. Um, so with the help of dozens, dozens of the local volunteers, despite their circumstances at home, rushed to rescue the animals off the beach and into the rescue facility where it was much warmer. Um, so without that immediate reaction, by the volunteers, the freezing cold would have killed off the entire population of 4,900 sea turtles, which was also wiping out 40 years of like conservation work um, by the Sea Turtle Incorporation. Yeah. 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 So amazing my, story. Yeah, it's crazy. So they kind of like mini heroes in a way. Um, I don't necessarily have a question. I, I, I really just want to get you guys' reactions and any comments on this. Finally, a good story. In <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Robbie. Uh, it is a feel-good story. It's wonderful that uh, everyone came together to save these critters who needed saving. Uh, I think that's a beautiful story. And I think on the flip side of it, we need to, I think, between us, climate change is real. There's no debate. I think that people talking about? need to get on board. Neo, don't start this with me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me have to play devil's advocate. He was ready. Oh, no, no, don't play devil's advocate on this one. But for me, I think it's so important that when we hear these stories, that we take take inventory of our consumption habits. And that's the products that you consume. 
how they're made, how they're manufactured, how they're grown. Is it sustainable? Uh, one of the simplest changes that you can make at liquid soaps has become all the rage in the last few decades. Switch back to dry soap because converting converting soap to liquid is a huge energy cost and it's all shipped in plastic bottles. Really? So that's just one small change that you can make because if you switch to dry soaps, they're typically shipped in either paper, cardboard, or metal tin, products that are more easily repurposed, reused. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So one small tip, friend of the turtles. Friend of the turtles. Friend of the turtles. Lizzie, real quick. <laughs> Um, this just is another reason for me to like give Ted Cruz the finger. Um, so you, you decide that all of this mayhem and foolishness and freezing is going on in your state, even down to the sea turtles. You decide to get on a plane and take your family to Cancun and then blame it on your daughters and lie about it. Like there's so much going on and he's not for climate change. So he's, he would, even if he had stayed in Texas, he wouldn't have been, Horrible. you know, um, a proponent of this, he wouldn't have cared. But this just goes to show you the small mindedness of these people. Like it, it, it affects so what's happening right now in Texas affects so many different variables. And for you to just take this, you know, I'm out approach is as an elected official is horrible. It's horrible. So yes, this is a feel good story. Um, I've never seen a sea turtle in person, and so I would love you. <gasps> I would love to see one up close and personal. Baltimore Aquarium. Uh, I, I've seen little ones, but I've never seen Aww. one. If I did, I don't remember. Oh, the like, huge maybe, one. Remember when we the aquarium back in the day, Neil? Did you guys go on aquarium field trips? Mm, all the time, yeah. Maybe there was one in the aquarium, Aww. I don't remember. But I'm looking yeah, at you this had little guy here. I would love to see one in person. I would love to. So I'm happy. Mm. Thank you for this story. Yeah. Thank you for this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a feel-good story. And, you know, <laughs> Climate change is definitely real. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I mean, when you look at the, if we're just talking climate change real quick, yeah, if you look at the the temperatures drop in in Texas, it's not the first time it's ever been cold. But the the thing is, right, is right. you're looking at a trend of across the world. So when it's part of a trend across the world of like cold and hot, you know, and and climate changing, then you say okay, <laughs> you know. So anyway. But yeah, this is great. Yeah. I, lo I love to see the uh, the turtles rescued because I've actually like I've seen turtles like I'm, um, I've been to Cape Canaveral and Cape Canaveral is like it has this shorelines to go for miles and miles of untouched shoreline um, because, you know, you, people who are on the NASA base can go to the store. I mean, the um, shores, but um, it's pretty much untouched. And man, they have sea turtles that come and lay their eggs and stuff. And. It's, a, it's amazing to watch, and you can see the sea turtles. How big are the eggs? Do you know? Like, are they oh, like, are they huge? They're eggs? like pearl size. Okay. They're very small. Uh, they are. They're, yeah, they're a little small. Yeah, they're very small. No, yeah. I would love to see them up close. I would love to see them. All right, time is up. All right. So, thank you for that hot topic. We appreciate that. That was a fun one, a good one. All right, now it's time to get. On well, let me. I'm sorry, I got to get to some of these comments because there were some really good comments online. So uh, I got called out. Apparently, Mike Winter says I'm fitting to get dragged by Robbie again, <laughs> again by Robbie. <laughs> uh, he also said Bahamas, Atlantis. Um, 
Jacqueline Robinson said, Dairy Winner, you said the operative word. They don't want to admit climate change is real because it hurts their pockets. And uh, Dairy Winner said, absolutely. Uh, George Fournier says, uh, a story like that gives you faith in humankind at a time when it's so desperately needed. And uh, Jose says, warm and fuzzy feeling. Warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh-uh. All right, let's jump into our game show. All right, and we've got a special guest coming back. Uh oh, yeah. is that? Oh, is that? Did he, did he put on a medal? Did he put on a medal? He's ready. What? Whoa! <laughs> Akila Abdullah wow. joins us again. Joins us again. <laughs> All right. So today's game is Olympic trivia. We're going to go round robin style, and I ask a question, and you'll have. Four multiple choice answers. You get it right. You get a point. Person with the most points wins the final thought for the show. So, Akil, you have a chance to. So, you might have to prepare a final short, a final thought if you win. Oh. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> All right. Just so, you know, Akil, I am a sports journalist. So, ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll I'm see. Not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> We'll see. So this might be a battle between Lizzie and Akia. Let's see. Let's see. I don't have that hardware. All right. So here's the question. I'm going Gianni Storm first. So number one, an Olympic gold medal is made mostly of a what metal? Silver, nickel, gold, or copper? Gold medal is made mostly of what metal? You said gold? Let's find out. Oh, no. That is incorrect. Incorrect. The Metal. answer actually is silver. Silver. The last Olympic medal that was actually solid gold was awarded in 1912. Today, gold medals are 92.5% silver. Well, they cheat, y'all. They cheat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the next question, and we're going to go straight to Akil. What is the Olympic motto? You should know this, Akil. Faster, higher, stronger. Man's reach exceeds his grasp, refuse to lose, or dare to be great. Run, Joe. Uh, no, it's a... <laughs> run, Joe. Did he just run, Joe? Go, go, run. Right, look, go, go for you guys. Um, now, uh, faster, higher, stronger. It is Sidious Altius Fortius. Okay. Let's see. I'm sorry, a little mouse is acting up. Okay, faster, stronger. High. That is correct. Correct. Fast correct. The Olympic no, model is Fittus Altius Forest, which is Latin. It was proposed by Pierre de Coubertin upon the creation of the International Olympic Committee in 1894. All right, Robbie, you ready? I am. What Olympics, what, what country boycotted the 1980 Summer Olympics? Was it? United oh, States, Russia, Russia France, or Cuba. Here we go to easy questions. Did you say Russia? You said Russia? <laughs> Russia. Russia is not correct. Oh, Cuba. Dang. Was it? Oh, no. Wait, Cuba US. is not correct. Because the games were in the U.S. Yeah. It was the U.S. That is and correct. Russia boycotted the 84 Olympics, which is why we won so many gold medals. <laughs> the United States boycotted the 1980 Summer Olympics to protest the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. All right. Yep. Let's go, Lizzie. Let's see what you got. Oh, I get this one 
What black Olympian has been credited with single-handedly crushing Hitler's myth of oh, Aryan supremacy? Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Same vote. Muhammad Ali, George Coleman, Cage. Jesse Owens. That is correct. Nice. Correct, Lizzie. Good job. Owens' is success. I, there's an iconic picture at, actually of this moment. Um, it was the Berlin Olympics. And so Jesse mm -hmm. Owens won a gold medal. And so there's um, the bronze medalist is in front of him. And then the German silver medalist is behind him. And the German medal or the German medalist is giving the Heil Hitler sign. So I will post that image on the TLS website. I will post it on our Facebook. Please. Just thought this the other day in class, y'all. So Owens' success at the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin was an unpleasant surprise for Adolf Hitler, who had hoped the games would showcase a resurgence in Nazi Germany. Ed Owens was the most successful athlete, winning international fame with four gold medals. With four gold medals. All right. So we're going up back to you, Gianni. Give you a chance to come back. Which of these animals were used in the 1900 Olympics? Hey, Johnny, you're getting the hard ones, Johnny. <laughs> I know. Oh, for a key Which animal were you? We're going to let you. You can poll the audience on this one. We, we're going to let you. 1900? Um, the audience has been getting some right answers, by the way. That's I want to say camels. You're going with camels? Maybe can I ask a keel for help? <laughs> you can okay. ask a keel for help. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't we got no camels. Nobody helping camel. you online either, so. Oh, no camels. Um, definitely not pigeons. Elephants. We're going with elephants. Elephant. All right. You got no help yeah. online, so we're going with elephants. That is incorrect. Elephants is incorrect. Um, camels. Camels. Incorrect. I think it's pigeons. I'm going with pigeons. Yes. I said pigeons. Yeah. Pigeons. While oh, competitors typically pigeons. shot, so well, that was incorrect. While competitors typically shot at disc-shaped targets called clay pigeons in the 1900 games in Paris, they featured targets as real pigeons. All right. Lord. Kill. What? Getting harder. It's getting piece. harder, Kill. So here we go. Hans Gunnar Lindenwall was the first Olympic athlete to be disqualified for drug use. Which banned, which banned substance did he consume? Cocaine. Okay. <laughs> Cocaine, steroids, alcohol, or marijuana? <laughs> the first Olympic athlete to be disqualified for we... drug use. Oh. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna go with cocaine. Okay, let's see. Cocaine is incorrect. Any other guesses? Steroids? Not steroids. Oh. It was alcohol. <laughs> what? Wow. Lil Wall reportedly had two beers to calm his nerves before the pistol shooting event. As a result, the entire Swedish team was disqualified. Good lord. So wow. you know I'm about to use a firearm. I need a I need another drink. What? <laughs> you know what's crazy though? It is sport it is sport specific like that. If you take a depressant or something that, you know, in the sports where you're trying to reduce your heart rate, that's considered uh 
an illegal, a banned wow. substance. Oh, that makes sense. Wow. Oh, so, yeah, Monica Alicia got it right, by the way. All right. Yeah. How old was the old? This is for Robbie. How old was the oldest yeah. Olympic medal winner? Winner, 64, 56, 72, or 48? The oldest Olympic medal winner. That's good. You know what? Uh, I, I'm going to say 64. 64? Okay, we're going to see. 64 is incorrect. Incorrect. Speedwalking's a thing. It's an Olympic game. Lizzie, do you know? I do not know, but I'm going to guess and say 56. 56 is incorrect. That has to be 48 is incorrect. 72 is the correct answer. Curling. Is it curling? Yeah. During the 1920 Summer Olympics, Swedish shooter, a shooter, of course, Oscar Schwan, Swan won a silver medal in the double shot running deer contest. He was 72 years old. And he did it sober. So good for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lizzie, this is your opportunity to, to win the game because there's one point for Akil, one point for Rob B. Gianni Storm is out. Of the game, <laughs> you can take the win right here with this. The longest wrestling match in Olympic history lasted how many hours? Was it eleven hours, seven hours, three hours, or fifteen hours? So, Ooh. Robbie, I'm not going to use like you know the usual C guess. I don't. Think <laughs> you don't think it was three hours? Okay. No, I don't think it's three hours. A wrestling match with. A wrestling match for three hours. Lord. Eleven hours. Wow. I'm gonna say seven. All of those hours. You're going with seven hours for wrestling. All right, let's see. That is incorrect. 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 In is incorrect, not three hours. Not fifty. It's eleven hours. That's in the wrestling semifinal. Of 1912 Summer Olympics, Martin Klein and the Alfred S. I don't know, grappled for 11 hours and in 40 minutes before Klein finally managed to pin Asikane. And Klein was so exhausted from the bout that he was unable to wrestle for gold the next day. The Swedes again! The Swedes again! Okay, guys, this is the final answer. And so the first person to answer this is between Lizzie, Robbie, and Akil. First person to answer with the correct answer wins. Right here it is. Which athletes enter last in the parade of nations at the opening ceremony? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Is it disabled Zimbabwe. athletes, the hosts, Zimbabwe or Greece? Zimbabwe. It's alphabetical order, my friend. The host country. I said first. Hosts are first. Oh, that host is correct. So Lizzie. Lizzie, you win the game. Good job, Lizzie. <laughs> but don't go anywhere, Akil. We're going to bring you back. We're still going to bring you back. Akil has to give me that medal. Akil has to give me that medal for my victory. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good job. Let's get in our shout-outs real quick. Let's get in some shout-outs. All right, let's start with Gianni Storm. What's your shout out, Gianni? Um, shout out to the TLS Creatives Contest. Um, this is the last week to enter. So the Creatives Contest is uh, the, just submit any type of creative entry. 
a, a phrase, a word, um, a picture, something you designed, and the links will be in our bios on our platform. All right, Robbie Rock. A uh, shout out to everyone that's feeling like they need that little bit of humanity, that feel good story from Johnny. It's uh, that was just really so inspiring that there is a lot of good left out there. A lot of the stories that we cover, unfortunately, don't focus on it as much. But uh, I mean, you can be the change. You can absolutely do those things. So hats off to all the volunteers that gave their yeah. time to ensure the safety of those creatures. And you know what? The kinder you are to the lesser in our in our ecosphere, it's, it just it, it's a growing opportunity. It's love. All right, Lizzie Anders. Um, want to give a quick shout out to my girl Melanie. I'm not sure if she's watching tonight. Um, love you. Got your message. Happy for you. So yay! Boom, boom, boom. Onward and upward. Onward. Oh, we want to know what, what is happy for what? <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I know it's private. <laughs> all right, Akil. You got any shout outs to Kill? Uh, no, shout out to all the, the Wilson peeps that uh, are checking out the show tonight. And a shout out to you guys for, you know, all the wonderful laughs and sort of insight that you guys bring to the world. Oh, we thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for joining us. We do appreciate you joining us. It was a fun time with you for thank sure. You but we appreciate you. you. Thank you for being a first. All right, Akil. Thank, thank you. you again for everything. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. We'll Try to get you back on the show at some point. All right, now. <laughs> All right, my friend. Awesome. All right, now my shout out goes to my Facebook friend, Laura Bellucci, who came to, to me to ask some really complex questions about race and um, that she didn't quite understand. And I appreciated the questions because that's what our show is all about because I don't have all the answers. None of us on this show have all the answers. But the more we talk about it, the more we can come to a common understanding. So I really appreciated the conversation with her and all the conversations I have with and share with all of you guys, even when I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, if you have a business, do it. <laughs> right, exactly. If you have a business, an event or person you want to give a shout out to follow our hosts on social media and reach out to any of them on their social media feeds and uh, they may just shout you out. All right. That's all the time we have for our show today. Now, I hope you learned something new, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. Don't forget, we need your support to keep this thing going. Like, follow, and subscribe at PLS Live Show. And uh, now, last week, last show, we had Carlotta Walls. I want you guys to go and check out that those clips. Check out that episode. It was an amazing episode. Carlotta Walls of the Little Rock Nine, the youngest member. So go on YouTube, youtube.com slash TLS live show. Check out all those clips. Um, and if you missed any of today's episodes, subscribe to YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the audio replay of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I had a fun time today and I hope you did too. Sending a special thank you to Akil Abdullah for sharing his story. His historic story. Our next live show is on Sunday, February 18th. I'm excuse, February 28th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Daryl Michael Scott, a history professor at Howard University, will be joining the show. He's the focus of an article about Carter G. Woodson. So, looks like our winner for today's show was Lizzie Enders. Lizzie Enders is on a run lately, so... <laughs> I got a little streak going. I'm like the wizard. I was the wizard's lost last night. 
but they won five in a row, so I got a little showing. All right, Lizzie. <laughs> Give us our final thought. Final thought, you know what? Um, I'm not going to say anything lengthy or whatever. I just, um, vaccines are coming up for people. Hopefully, I will get mine in the next couple of days, and I'm very excited about that. Everyone, do your part to make sure that we are here this time next week, this time next month, this time next year. Be safe, wear your mask, get vaccinated. Boom. All right. Thank you, Lizzie. And thank you again. <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you again, Akil. Thank you, Gianni. Thank you, Robbie Rock. You guys have a wonderful time, and we will see you on Wednesday for another episode. See you later, guys. Truth, truth, lies, 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 shenanigans, truth, 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 lies,